What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Mike, can you believe we are at the season finale of season two? Mike is saying no. I can't believe it. I was I was talking to the patrons yesterday, and uh, just saying like I can't. That means we're like fifty episodes in that we've done. Uh, yeah. It feels like this. We're still figuring this show out. I guess it's because we did the practice for so long. Mm -hmm. that it still feels like this is the new baby brother, but it's it's not. It's a seasoned adolescent already. No, a little I, toddler, I guess, we would say, two years old. Well, no, we're well, because we're about to... So how many... Because season one was only 19 episodes. Well, so we haven't 26. quite done 50 yet. Yeah, we're very close. So almost, almost 50. Yeah, so, but we are not yet a third of the way through the show. Yeah, that's wacky. So... Uh, I mean, the show's 176, but now, I think. now I understand what you mean. Like, now it's starting. Right, right. Oh, yeah. So the, the, the show the show starts now. Yeah. So uh, what, what we had in the uh, for the first 44 episodes was the prologue to what we're about to start now, which is super exciting. Uh, I was very excited to get to this episode. Um yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about, so mm -hmm. much to get into. Um, so that's gonna be that's gonna be really really fun. I've already noted uh, season three, episode one, and oh boy, hold on to your hats, kids. Interestingly, I was gonna watch it <clears throat> like right after I watched the season finale, just like just roll in because I was feeling it, uh, and my internet was working better. And I finally got the the um, uh, AI upscaled season three, yes. uh, which is. Now we'll be. I'm gonna put that in our. Uh, it's in the Mike watches Deep Space Nine folder, Keith. Just so you know where they exist. You, you already gave it to me, didn't you? Season three. Yeah. Oh, maybe before, but now it's in the drive. Yeah, it, whatever. I I, uh, I used it. I, I've had oh, it for like okay, great. a month. Well, whatever. I I think I you know me. I love to delete. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is a mad deleter. So he anyway, would delete his own cat. But I've been making this promise that I was going to watch it with CEO Jen, and so yes. we're trying to schedule that. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because because me and Jen do a lot of talking <laughs> while we watch yes. television. So you're, you're you're chatty folks. Yeah. So so. We'll but you see. still have to pay attention though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But uh, yeah. Oh well. That yeah. No. I'm I'm super excited about it. Uh, we're gonna have so a peek behind the curtain. We we are we are prepared for season three. We're we're doing a full overhaul and refresh of the entire show coming up for season. Yeah, three. it's already it's in the can. Keith, that Keith did an amazing visual job. Keith does all of our graphic design. Uh, so if you have any work for him, hit him up at uh, <laughs> K and M Entertainment. No, at Keith and Mike Keith Entertainment. Keith and Mike Entertainment at gmail.com. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I loaded it all into the OBS yesterday. It's like ready to go. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. But before we do that, we have to do uh, two things. We got to blow Starting, some. We got to blow some shit up, Keith. We're going to blow some shit up. But uh, but first, we have to thank our incredible patrons up at patreon.com slash K and M. And I decided to break it down by rank because guess oh. what? We have some captain's levels, some commander's level, some lieutenant level, and some ensign level. 100%. Uh, we, we definitely need better level names than that, but I just did the, you know, I did the rank pips. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, who, who, who are our patrons at their levels? Well, Keith, we could not make the show without the loving support of Brian Kaufman and Casey Clark, who are at the top of mm, the food chain. Tier. They are giving us more money than we deserve. 
we've got our newest patron. Welcome to the team. Ren jo Joshua, who you might know from uh, Look at My Star Trek Toys, done some custom work, but it is, is now uh, customing his fine, his, I, I can't, I got nothing, I got nothing. Uh, welcome to the team. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Oh, you got every penny's worth. Yep, we got Andrew Hayes, Jorge Novo, and the mysterious and Worf's boot shivs coming in at level two. And then, you know, just people tossing us a little coin, just a little tip on the bar for, at Quark, CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, Nikolay Ivanovich Lobachevsky, at Grim underscore Toys, Delusions at Noon. Get your name. Keith, I thought, I didn't know what these, mm. these, these dots were, but now, now it makes sense. Keith. Now you understand. So far, you know, we, we we're supposed to be gatekeeping some of the content, but since there's been such, since we get it that most of these folks are just supporting us, supporting the show. I've been giving Mike watches Deep Space Nine to everybody. That'll change eventually. Uh, but in, but this week, Keith, I got one of the best screenshots I've I've ever taken. Of, oh, of you sent it to me. Uh, I'm, gonna, was... I'm gonna pop it over. This is this is what I experienced at one portion of the show last night. Um, uh that's fantastic. So. Uh, yeah, you get to watch us talking about it. But if you'd like to see me watching it in real time, and now with CEO Jen, who, yeah. who has zero context, uh, you can She's do so. Be so confused. Make sure to check it out at uh, patreon.com slash K and M. Spell it Now, Mike, I, 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 have a, I, have a, I have a nit to pick with you, sir. Okay, yeah. Because I actually popped on and watched some of that because mm -hmm. I was so darn curious uh, about your reactions. Uh, do you watch the show in the wrong aspect ratio? I give it in whatever it's, oh no, yes, it, it does. My v VLC is popping it to 16.9, so. What are you doing, buddy? I, I can't get it to 14.43, but I, I could switch back maybe. I, I don't I've kind of been enjoying it. It, 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 it does, uh, it, it evens it out a little bit. Yeah, it's no, a little it's stretchy. But what are you, what are you doing? I mean, you can play those files with just like your regular Windows Keith, you think we're doing NASA here? You don't just just let me do what I got. It's set up. It, it is what it is. So everything you see is it's not but that the squishy. But the screenshot, it's a hundred percent squish. But your screenshots aren't squish. I don't understand why it's doing it. I, I don't quite get what's happening because I'm bringing. We'll talk about it another time. I'll try to you know what, for season three. I'll I'll get it to four three again. I was it was four three and then it stretched. I don't know what people happened. worked very hard for that. All right. Anyway. Uh, I I feel like I have been stretched to sixteen by nine since COVID, so I'd like to get myself back to four by three. So that's where I'm at. All right, I, I think we should talk about this Let's episode. I'm super excited to get into it. So we are talking about the season finale of season two, season two, episode twenty six, the Gem Hadar, which aired on Mike's finding out. I didn't up I didn't update it. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All right, well, we'll figure we it out. We know what episode right. we're doing. We know what we're doing. So this aired on June 12th, 1994. We were continuing to listen. Uh, sadly, as it's the season finale, it, it stayed with us all summer, but we're not going to be there next week. But I swear I was still listening. Mike? Keith, since it's the end of season two, uh, uh -huh. I will continue to sing. I will be singing every week. However, uh, we do get a comment every week from our good friend Tom over mm -hmm. on YouTube who, who just is begging me not to sing. And, and for this yeah. one week, and this one week only, begging let, us let, both not to let's sing. sit here in silence and think about I Swear with very clever lyrics. And this one's for uh -huh. Tom. 
Next week this, I'm back, Tom. So enjoy your, you, enjoy your one week of break. Because okay, next week just, I'm singing. I'm just gonna feel it. Oh, that was clever. That was a funny oh, joke. Oh my god, so good. That All was right. so worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for writing in every week, Tom. We appreciate your your support. Yes, we're you know I, of course. I, I here's here's what I think you understand a little bit about about our personalities. Mike is like, oh, let me find a way to like find a funny way to give you what you want, and I'm like, I'm singing three times more. <laughs> Yeah, you can't please all the people all the time, but Keith it, sure like, can insult all of them all at once. <laughs> I'm not insulting anybody, but, but, you know, I'm just a little contrary. All right. So, uh, however, uh, this is not the end of our awesome things we'd be doing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I actually got myself to the theater to watch this uh, instant classic, Speed. Oh, that Speed is an instant classic absolute instant classic keith it's almost like if if the show this is why we need good internet because if the show drops below 55 frames per second we uh-huh. blow up oh no if you didn't know oh, if you knew that yeah that's pretty much and and on my side it sure does but luckily you gotta put some extras on your end and that's why we're going in circles because yeah. i'm going at like 32 and you're mm-hmm. going at 70 of course right. you're not sandra bullock and i am not keanu reeves so no no i'm certainly that was such a good movie so good Saw in the I I do think I saw it in the theaters. So because I I I was gonna say I was gonna say it in past tense, but it's not past tense. I had a huge have a huge crush on Sandra Bullock. Yeah, who doesn't? If you don't, there's something you got to screw loose. Because I saw her in the net, and I'm like sold. That's what got me to go to speed. So um, so there you go. All right, so let's talk about uh, the hard news, the important hard news. Uh, don't we talk about what was what we were watching first? Oh, oh, right. Oh, yes, of course. I have it here. Sorry, Mike. What was going on on TV? Well, Keith, you know, this is summer. wasn't a lot on. But for you and me, something really important was happening tonight. Oh, do tell. Really important, Keith. The 1994 the Tonys. Tonys. Oh, my God. That grease, huh? Yep. So, uh... That was the Billy Porter grease. Yeah, there was, a. Uh, so we had, a. Uh, uh, let's see. Jeffrey Wright, Angels in America. Perestroika mm-hmm. was a best featured role in, as an actor, as a best actress. We had Audra McDonald in the Carousel Revival. Um, the right. best book of a musical was Passion by James Lapine. Yes, uh, I love that. What else we got? Uh, the director, Nicholas Heitner, for Carousel. Carousel was cleaning up. Uh, best director for a play was Stephen Daldry for An Inspector Calls. Best musical, Keith. Do you remember what where, what it went to there? In 1994? Mm-hmm. I don't. We had... It wasn't Passion. It was Passion. It was Passion. Produced, yep. Uh, Scott Rudin. Uh, and Duh. Passion also won Music and Lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Of course. Original score. Uh, Angels in America, but, Perestroika by Tony Kushner was the best yeah. play. But Donna Murphy was best actress, was she not? Keith Jersey was on the map as the Regional Theater Tony Award was given to the McCarter Theater out there in the Jersey. Oh, how about that? And Best Revival of Musicals, Carousel. Yeah. Best Revival Play, Inspector Calls. Uh, Lifetime Achievement, Jessica Tandy, and Hume Crin. And, and we are Crin. now so old that every one of those revived shows have been re- subsequently revived. Re-revived, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what was on TV, brother. All right. Well, th- yeah, that's exciting. I mean, I probably watched that, I would imagine. You would think, yeah. 
Uh, all right. So now, now it's time for the hard news. And that is uh, a couple with eight inch tongues. Mary, that's just upsetting. That sort of looks like the, the king, doesn't it? There on the left. The king? Well, like the new king. Oh, yes. Yes. King Charles. I see you, Jen. Happy the true work. king. Love you too. <clears throat> the and the sixty-two inch bust keeps shipwrecked gal afloat. Okay, that's fun. So, uh, what else we got? Safety Hold on. first. Hold on, let's see. Where something's hiding down there below. Lose ten pounds fast on the popcorn and watermelon diet. That sounds pretty. Oh, good. maybe that's how I can get myself back into the right aspect Tell ratio. You what? I like popcorn. I like watermelon. That's true. You I get mean, everything watermelon, you need. popcorn, water, fruit, mm-hmm. corn. Mm-hmm. Veggies? Corn? You got it all sure. in there. Oh, well, all right. It's scientifically proven. Clearly, there's, I mean, it's the weekly world news. How mm-hmm. could they possibly not have utterly accurate information? Speaking of utterly accurate information, Mike, I think it's time. Now, Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia. Bing. Okay. Hey, Keith, uh, I have a question for you. Yes. For season three, my mm-hmm. assumption was, since the the trivial trivia swoops in, I won't tell you what the graphic is. We want to. Um, I'm just playing the audio, right? Maybe we'll. Or we, do you want the whole video still? No, no, with the video. Okay. Right. Your face is very large. Uh, don't get enough <laughs> of your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll, I'll update the video just for you, Mike. <laughs> you more. And now with more face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually just uh, hand-braked all the videos to shrink them, so everything's... Oh, smart, smart. It's crazy yeah. how good that compression is. I mean, th- that video, that Trivial Trivia video there is 50 yeah. megabytes that you sent me, which is nothing, yeah. really, but in OBS, every little bit helps. When you hand-brake it, it's five megs now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. You're welcome, everybody. That, that, that stuff has been, uh, has been compressed and uncompressed and recompressed about 17 times by the time it gets to your eyeballs because it goes... Oh, YouTube, so, yeah. So I do it, then you compress it, then we put it back in, then we upscale it to 4K. And then YouTube compresses it. And then YouTube compresses it. It's a big yeah. mess. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So trivial trivia. Uh, so it, I think this segment is going to be a little bit more difficult moving forward because of spoiler mania. Mm. So, um, I, you know, I, so the, so the, the next couple episodes will, will be a little light because I've had to cut off about 75% of the trivia for spoilers. I bet that will probably get a little easier as we move forward. Once we establish our new normal, our new world. Uh, anyway, so here we go. The script mentions that the Jem'Hadar's cloaking devices that they have on their persons were similar to Tosk. And in the script, it fills in the story that these cloaking devices, the technology, were gifted to the hunters of Tosk by the Dominion for their loyalty. It does Thus, say that they're, the big hunters, on, they're big on negotiations and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so the hunters of Tosk are actually members of the Dominion, which is where they got that technology. Quark mentions selling Vulcan Idic pins. Well, uh... In real world, the Vulcan Idic pins were created by Gene Roddenberry as a way to make some money in real life. Oh, that's so he, funny. He created and sold Vulcan Idic pins. Uh, you know, just just make some cash. Uh, it's like, it's like Shark Tank Star he Trek version. He, 
100% pulling the cork. So we're going to notice um, as we move forward, there's a huge shift in the show. And a lot of that is due to a shift in the people writing and producing the show. Uh, we have a new showrunner taking over. Ira Stephen Bear will now be basically helming the show because this is the final episode that Michael Piller is the writing supervisor. He would leave to go create Voyager with oh. Rick Berman and Jerry Taylor. Um, and so next episode, Ron Moore joins the show. Um, and so Ira Stephen Bear and Ronald Moore will do a lot of the shaping of where we go forward. In the German dub of this, breaking all rules, Morn speaks in this episode, uh, which I can't believe they got through. Somebody was not paying close mm. attention because he says Dom nicht, which basically means so much for that after Quark walks away. Uh, that shouldn't happen, but he does. So check out the German dub if you want to hear what the German dub of Morn sounds like. And lastly, stunt legend Tom Morga makes an appearance as a Jem'Hadar guard. Uh, he is somebody who you see constantly on Star Trek. He appeared in uh, every 90s series as a thousand different stunt coordinators and the majority of Trek movies as well, starting with uh, the motion picture and mm -hmm. 79 going all the way through uh, the next gen movies. But I thought it was interesting uh, Tom Morga has the distinction of having played both Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees in the movies. So uh, I'm sorry. If you're in every Star Trek out there and you're Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, yeah, you are a legend. That's pretty that big. That is really, really cool. Love all of that stuff. Uh, so this is here. We uh, we'd normally talk about uh, what was Next Gen doing? Not happening. What was Voyager doing? Pre-production. The uh, they they were clearly uh, the minute this wrapped, Michael Piller and Rick Berman and Jerry Taylor they are deep into pre production creating that show. They're probably casting it at this point uh, because we are, you know, this is what June, mm. so we're six months away from the premiere of Voyager, and so this is also when just behind the scenes when my my uncle transferred over. So he established Deep Space Nine for the first two seasons. And then hopped over to create all the sounds for Voyager. <laughs> so, and we're only a couple of years away from uh, my brother joining and working on Voyager. All right. So, the guest stars this week include Alan Oppenheimer as Kog, the captain of the of the uh, uh, the the ship. Aaron Eisenberg is back as Non Nog. Cress Williams plays the third, the Jem'Hadar third. Molly Hagen plays Eris. Sarah Grando plays the second officer, and uh, Michael Jace plays the first officer of the Federation ship, who you might know from The Shield, hmm. uh, playing a great character. However, uh, took a bit of a turn, Mike. He's uh, actually now serving 40 years for killing his wife, so uh, that took a, took a dark turn. Keith, you want to hear something weird? I do. Molly Hagen, who I couldn't put my finger on, but I recognized her instantly from all of her random work. But mm -hmm. you know what? She was um, she was in many things, but you know what she was in, which is like a really deep cut that you and I talked about a little bit on another podcast? Oh, do tell. Herman's Head. Herman's Head. Oh, God, talk about a lot of face. So much oh, face. God, too much face. 
Well, it's because it's like 20 degrees out, yeah, and of that, course that, the cat wants to go in his that window. stupid sitcom from, man, it ran three, 72 episodes, 91 to 94, <clears throat> about that dude, and like we kept seeing his inner monologue, like uh, all the people who lived in his head. You told me that, and I and I didn't remember that, and I still don't remember. We watched now. a whole, we watched the whole trailer and the intro to it when we did it on the practice. Mike, we do a lot of hours of content, and I remember almost none of it. Okay, well, I pull up. I'm gonna now. I gotta pull it up for us. Hold on, we're doing this. <laughs> we're gonna watch the trailer. Again. Yeah. So existing on the internet somewhere in the bowels will be me watching the trailer for this multiple Hank times. Azaria was in it. Oh, Hank Azaria, that's cool. Yep. Okay, hold on. Now I got to pull up. Uh, how am I going to do this? I know how I'm going to do it. This could be the longest episode we've ever done, okay. which is definitely not true. No, that's not true. Okay, here's the pilot. So. Okay. Um, I have to pull up the. Uh... Mike doesn't want to be monetized today. No, it's gonna be okay. He says that. He says that. All right. Well. Uh, Here it comes. Yeah. This is this is me making mouth noises to cover dead air. Why can't I see it though, Keith? I I don't know. I don't, we're oh there, oh, we, there go. we go. Oh, there she is. Yep. I'm Herman's anxiety, and I keep him out of trouble. And believe me, there's trouble everywhere. I'm Herman's lust. Remember that guy? No. I remember the guy from the practice. Yes. Sometimes they agree. Usually they don't. But this struggle is going on. Wow, it's like Inside Out, but a sitcom from the 90s. Going on inside and that's the theme song. Like, that's the theme song to the show, I think. I mean, it's a great idea. And then they just like. There's Lisa Simpson. Right? Wait, was that Tonight, you that's Herman? You're on your own. Uh huh. Oh, Connie, yeah, Connie can't go either. Heck, Zaria's in there. Okay, Zaria, yeah. call me if you change your mind. And then, like every time he has like some conflict, on way out. we Let's go inside his head and like <laughs> they all talk. It's a great, it's a great concept. No wonder it made it seventy something. Listen, Connie, episodes. I'm sure you're gonna feel a lot better about this. Because why don't you just go home? Okay, well, there you okay, go. That well, right, it. well, totally worth it. We've seen some time in Mike's head. <laughs> but why don't we uh, hop into the screening room and talk about some Star Trek? What do you say? I think it's time. Sorry, Tom, you got something. It's built into the show. Yeah, we have we to say. There's how much we can do about it. O'Brien must suffer. Keith and Mike must sing. Must sing. Keith, do you know what I forgot to do here? You forgot to load the screenshots. No, no, I didn't, but I did forget. Hold on, we're going to do this. <clears throat> it's okay. What, 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 what all is happening? I forgot to add the audio sync in, but it's okay. It's there now. We got it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> all right. Okay. Well, fair enough. We're but, back. Uh, whew, season finale, folks. Yep. Pulling out <clears throat> all of, putting in all of the stops here for the season finale. All right. So here we are in the Gem Hadar. Jake, we begin. Wait, no, with... no, no. This is the wrong, uh, the wrong screens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wrong show. Previously that's on bl- uh... that's Blood Oath. Yep. Uh... <laughs> Blood Oath. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't even seem like our last week. Jem Hadar is uh, episode two twenty six. Guys, we're doing it. We're doing it live. 
this is not if you thought that 40 something episodes into the show we were going to get better i think that's pretty fast though keith this was a good episode obviously i took literally 199 screenshots (laughs) so here we go folks buckle up we're basically you just you know did a screenshot of every frame of the show i I love it that's good we have we have this incredible archive of screenshots now all right so in our teaser Jake is poking at mushrooms with a baster. I will it's, say, mm-hmm. I because it's a pain in the butt to take the screenshots. I mean, it's just pressing a button, but like it, it does break my immersion when I'm trying to watch a television show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've Googled extensively to find people who have already screenshot at the show, and they have. They exist, but no more than like 20 screenshots per, per episode. Right. right, like just establishing shots and a couple of things, and I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming you have it like hotkeyed, right? I do have it hotkeyed. I'm just saying yeah. it's. I, I mean, why do it if you don't have to? But <laughs> but, <laughs> but we will now have because I've googled extensively the most, mm-hmm. like you said, comprehensive collection of screenshots for ep- every episode. You can find like here and there, but every episode we got them now. Well, yeah, we will have had them. Yeah, well, hey, you need uh, need. Screenshots from the '90s. You want Deep Space Nine? You want the practice? Boy, we are Ooh, we are we really it. well set. All right. So uh, Jake's working on his science project, but Ben comes in and says, "I think it's boring and not challenging enough." And I mean, geez, Jake Thanks, says, Dad. "Yeah, well, I'm a little harsh." Jake says, "I'm a low tech guy," which Great is line. an interesting wrinkle. I I really like it. I like it that as a uh, character differentiator. Because it's both showing like Jake is a little bit of an old soul Mm. mixed in. He's like a young kid, but he's an old soul. He's a low tech guy in a high tech environment. And it just makes his character has another wrinkle. I like it. Awesome. Uh, But Ben, what what he's doing, it's all a plan to get some father son bonding time. And he agrees to take Jake to the Gamma Quadrant to do a planetary survey for his science project. And might even learn to fly, Keith. Might even might even get to uh, play some boops and bops. He wouldn't let Ducat do it, so it's good. It's good. That's be fun. I'd love to take a uh, take a runabout. So later, Kira is filling in Cisco about New Bajor, the Bajoran colony in the Gamma Quadrant, but Ben is all about his father son trip. There he is with his iconic baseball cross seam fastball. Yes, indeed. So Jake shows up excitedly. He's invited Nog to be his partner and go on the trip to the Gamma Quadrant. Uh, that's a great screen. Now he's, I, I imagine he's saying the word, Nog! Nog! Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, Cisco is crushed, but Jake, Jake guilts him into saying he needs a good grade or else he'll drop out of school. Um, yeah, so that's that's a pretty good pretty good guilt trip. Get your buddy to come along with you. So in Quark's, Morn is sad, and Quark is trying and to help. speaking German, apparently? Uh, yeah, in the German cut, yeah. Uh, but when Odo shows up, Quark explains, he runs off and explains he's trying to put ads on the station's monitors like they do with the boards in NHL games and try to ruin everything. <laughs> Odo enjoys telling Quark, nobody likes you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, um, which I think in, uh, in, in 
in their relationship in douche dating mm -hmm. telling somebody that nobody likes you i think it's called negging negging yeah 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 so i think i think odo was negging quark in that moment there you're but also not... supposed to wear a hat keith it says uh, yeah so, like but like so, a gaudy weird like the, and like it's something you need traits that like <clears throat> emphasize you make you look more douchey before you neg okay well i i didn't know i i'm that's because you're ugly and no one likes you keith well oh are, are you are you, you you hitting on me you trying to hook yeah up? honey yeah honey <laughs> <laughs> wow that made somebody's day oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, so, what are we doing I don't, this show is a mess. <laughs> this is a mess. Anyway, Nog comes up to tell Cork about the trip. And naturally, Cork smells opportunity. And then, I think this is where he had the German line. Um, whatever. Uh, so we begin Act 1. Jake and Nog and Cisco get on the runabout. As they talk, there's definitely a production error of some broken wood in the ceiling above them. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, uh, but there's, but like one of the beams over their head, there's clearly some sort hmm. of a seam there that failed. It was weird. You know, Keith, um, some would say that uh, Cisco's deep V there has given me some. <laughs> some broken wood. Wow. I didn't <sighs> say it. I, I wasn't going to say it, but I was going to apply it. <laughs> you, you said it. You, you, you said it. I mean, what is that outfit, though? That is, I, you know, I've talked about it a lot. Is that the same thing he's wearing in the pilot? No. When they're on the I beach? I don't think like, so. No, no, no. That was a purple thing. <laughs> but uh, It's from that same line. It is definitely from the, like, unintentionally revealing civilian clothes because, like, we have no idea how to dress civilians on Star Trek. Oof. Although, to be fair, Jake's jammies look great. Yeah, Jake's like, like I would, Jake's I would that, wear that. Yeah, hundred percent. You have worn that, I think. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, where was I? Uh, Cisco is clearly bummed that Nog is tagging along, but Jake promises they'll be good. Then Quark shows up. Speaking of ridiculous costumes, Cisco tries to run him off, but Quark gets him, guilts him into going along. They head through the wormhole and arrive at a lush planet in the woods. Cisco explains that it's a safe planet with no predators. Quark is not happy. See, go back one. It's It was so almost like startling to see a non-matte yes. painting establishing shot. Yeah, drone shot. Well, not a drone, clearly, but like... Not a drone. That, I mean, that's probably the rainforest. Some, I don't know. But it's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful, but like... What? That's not a matte painting. How do we know where they are? <laughs> um, you know, what's interesting, too, like <clears throat> to, to highlight a challenge for your family or maybe not your family. I don't know. They probably weren't doing the ADR on set, but or the miking on set. But no, the <clears throat> the, the the vocal audio is a little bit rough in some in these outside shots. Yeah, it's hard. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it changes everything. And, and certainly, um then, then you have to where my where my family would come in is that do you get the natural are there birds are there other things that your labs are picking up do you leave that do you try to cut it out and replace it because usually you'd probably just cut it out and replace it with with something else but if like a bird chirps while they're doing a line do you go back and ADR it what do you do that's like a whole I also really always appreciate when 
Because, you know, they're they're clearly mastering this for to be watched on shitty home speakers. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. But I always love when they take an opportunity, like someone's going out the door over there, so they'll hard pan the door sound left just so you just – for the right. few people they know will recognize that that effect in stereo is cool. I always appreciate it. Yeah, and it's just stereo. Yeah. Uh, it's not even five. So uh, anyway, yeah. So any – and and I think that's also a problem – reason maybe they don't do as much location because a it's more expensive to do all of that but it affects everything yeah lighting you know I mean, the, everything you Literally can't control everything. the lighting you can't control the sound you can't control the weather there's a whole mess of things that you know you, you add variables so it, it, i noticed this in real time too when you're in civilian clothes when you're just kind of like on vacay do you get a different little communicator it looks, no, it's the it looks same smaller. Doesn't it look smaller? Or maybe it's just in the scale on his. Yeah, I, I think you're just being distracted by the deep V. Yeah, maybe. I mean, just like, Egh. there it is. Uh, you're welcome, Mike. Now we got demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. All right. So uh, Quark is not happy about being outside. He wants to strip mine the planet. And he's having an allergic reaction to nature. Uh, could also be that outfit. Doing, I, I wrote down, doing this on location rather than a soundstage makes it so much better. It's more complicated for them, but it looks so much better uh, on the screen. Makes It feels much a higher budget. So later, Quark continues complaining about everything, and Cisco tells him he's not going to allow him to spam the station with his ads. And Cisco continues to enjoy turning him down as Quark has more allergy issues. Everybody is having a really good time making Quark miserable. Cisco checks in on Jake and Nog as they work on the survey. Nog looks sad for some reason, uh, which doesn't really get panned out, but it is, it's there in the subtext. Uh, I, I see it in Aaron's performance. Like, I, I don't know if something got cut, like a line got cut in there, but like, yeah, look at him. I mean, that's that's that was his like resting face. He looks I, so sad. I yeah. I, here's how I interpreted it. Um, and he, like you said, it was all in subtext. But you know, throughout the episode, you get so much. There's so much Ben wanting time with Jake and Ben being supportive of Jake and Ben being supportive of them. But it's just complaining and Rom's not even mm. there and I think I think there's a bit of melancholy in Nog here where he's recognizing even though he's Ferengi I think he he's seeing in humans the kind of affection that he does that the Ferengis don't give to their kids mm. and I think yeah. there's a bit of him missing that that's that's at least how I took it yeah I, I think that's I think that's great I think that makes perfect sense you know and because he, he chirps up when Ben at the end of this scene, Ben's like, "You guys did great work today." They cut right. to they cut to Nog, and he's his reception is like that. That reinforcement, that positive emotional reinforcement, actually is very helpful yeah. for him. And I mean, yes, a hundred percent. Like the father son stuff. I think. I mean, that's it's great, and it's interesting that it is all subtext here. But also, as we hit on this episode pretty hard, uh, just how shitty everybody is to Ferengis in general. Yeah. And and how shitty Cisco is to Quark here, which Quark finally calls him on, and I and I think very interestingly and very justly we'll, we'll get into it. But perhaps it's like not only do I not have that sort of familial support like 
Mm-hmm. My surrogate dad, who I'm sort of taking pieces, is also like really crapping on yeah, my entire I, species. I, I think that that point, and I and I, I thought that Nog's not Nog uh, Quark's Quark. reaction later, though it has teeth. I feel I felt like it was a little out of place, only because they neutered it by making him a whiny bee the whole episode. You know what I mean? Like well, they sort of reinforced a lot of the the crap, but. I mean, yes, they do make it very personal, like very almost, like not almost, very racist. Sure. Um, but they kind of make him annoying, though. Like, you, I, I no, guess but, he does, but, he, he does end up being very. He becomes very useful, but also yeah. the, that's putting on our human concepts of annoying. Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, he just doesn't like being outside. And, and, and us, like. You know, being crappy to people who don't like to be outside. Yeah, but he chose to do that. Like he knew what he was getting into. He did. He did choose to do it. Yeah. So it, it, there's, there's, uh, and he's gonna work. win. He's gonna win Ben over to agree to do the commercials, which is clearly his only motivation for going on this trip by complaining about everything. That seems counterintuitive to what you think he'd be putting on airs in order to achieve his fiscal ends. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why he's not successful until season four. So. Uh, there we go. Spoiler alert. Commercials. <laughs> so later that night, they eat jambalaya, and Quark continues complaining about the bugs. It's a good camping scene. Jake and Ben continue bonding under the stars. Then Quark lights very, himself on very fire. Close, very close talking. Very close. See, because they're in four by three. Even if you stretch stretch them to 16 by nine, they're still, they live in a four by three world. Uh, Quark lights himself on fire. The stunt double is pretty obvious. Poor Quark is not having... The stunt double is like 6'2". They don't even explain how he does it. I I guess all that polyester. uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know these like quickly made civilian outfits, which are unintentionally revealing, are made of the most flammable possible material. Uh, So, uh, yeah. So Nog hisses at him and runs off. As usual, Cisco has no patience for Quark. Quark makes a really good point about the Federation being kind of racist toward Ferengi, like we were saying, that the Federation preaches tolerance and understanding, but only really practice it for people who remind them of themselves. But they scorn Ferengis because they have different values. Cisco can't name a single Ferengi he likes and never thought about letting Jake marry a Ferengi. Uh, Quark very much has a point here. Um, And this is also, um, you know, reading into the behind the scenes stuff, this is Iris Stephen Bear very intentionally sticking up for the Ferengis and and saying like, hey, we've got some hypocrisy going on here with the way that we we treat these people. Uh, So anyway, it was interesting, but then a lady runs up out of them, out of the dark, and she shoots an energy ball out of her chest and knocks Cisco down. Let's be honest, she Hadoukens him. Hadouken. Hadouken. You ever play Street Fighter 2, Keith? No. Folks. I don't think so. In the comments, hit me up. You know Hadouken, right? I'm not, that's not an out of call reference. That's like Hadouken. It's what it's what Ryu shoots in okay. Moving See, on. I, I played Tekken with uh with my little brother. I was uh, like, I, I was First of all, to- thanks to everybody who watches for coming to my rescue, telling me that they watch YouTube on TV with headphones. Thank you. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and now tell me that I'm right about Hadouken. That that's a I'm I'm not culture, saying that you're is wrong. a culturally relevant play. reference. I'm just saying in like Tekken whatever we were playing with my little brother, the Tekken fact had that with I was, the tiger guy face, right? One guy had the tiger uh, face. I, I was always the robot mm-hmm. and he had this little like kicking thing that my little brother could not stop and was able to like melt him down into nuclear fury just doing the same move over and over and over again that was unbeatable. It was delicious. All right. Uh, <laughs> what's happening here? Oh, so, uh, so the lady... laser laser beamed. She gets laser beamed, and she asks how many Jem'Hadar there are. They don't know what that is. Then a bunch of Jem'Hadar appear out of thin air, turning off their Predator-style invisibility devices, which leads us into act two what did you think about the uh, about the the first time seeing the gem hadar and their predator stuff i thought it was super cool i thought the design was amazing and we get better close up late a little bit later uh and i loved their voice like the deep the whoever they their casting was great because their voices seemed menacing and deep and and, and pretty cool and the, the production design they designed it basically on rhinoceros um without the horn of course but it is like it's part dinosaur part or uh yeah, like a triceratops kind of a feel with the with the spikes around the face really i also cool. thought this first i mean the lead up to even seeing the baddies was long it was like 18 minutes before we saw right, any like, bad guys of a camping <laughs> yeah. sitcom but what i thought was so cool yes very sitcom that was the word i think I, that came to mind but what i thought was awesome was and i'm glad i got this screenshot is because the beat shift between fun sitcom in ben like sitcom dad i mean he was clearly sitcom dad this whole right. first 18 minutes and then with danny boom. tanner yeah and then it's this look right here and that's he's not afraid but he knows that business is about to pick up with good old yeah. jr would say well yeah exactly well like that that is like switching into mama bear face mm-hmm. uh which is awesome so in act two jake and nog arrive back at the camp to discover it deserted jake thinks something is up and he sees a bunch of boot tracks. Nog smartly says, let's beam back on the runabout where there'll be weapons and sensors and a mm-hmm. transporter. But Jake stupidly says, nah, let's handle this ourselves. But you know, again, that I think that's part of just he's got being, a little Cisco in him. He's got a little Cisco. In him, and he's also got a little 13, 14, however yeah. old he is at this point. We discover Quark, Cisco, and the lady in a light circle in a cave. Quark is calling out to his captors and complaining. He's totally freaking out, and Cisco is trying to keep him quiet. The lady says the light circle is a security barrier that is fatal if you touch it. And she's surprised they haven't heard of the Gem Hadar. They explain who they are and where they're from. Her name is Eris. They shake hands. She explains that the Jem'Hadar are the soldiers of the Dominion. She says the Dominion tried to get her planet into the Dominion to exploit their telekinetic powers. When they refused, they sent in the Jem'Hadar, who seized control of the planet. She's wearing a collar that suppresses her telekinetic abilities, and that she might be able to get past the barrier if she didn't have it. So they decide to try to get it off and escape. Cisco thinks the Jem'Hadar are overconfident and they can get away. So what did you? So what did you think about all this backstory here? What did you think of her? 
So I'm glad to know that as as kind of complicated as I thought the Dominion aspect was going to be every time we've teased it with the Grand Nagus before and different stuff, it turns out to be pretty simple. To me, they're basically like a a Third Reich-esque uh, mm-hmm. um, authoritarian. authoritarian force on this side of the wormhole that it has uh, like pretty advanced technology. We're about to learn more about that. Um, and <clears throat> a, a, like put put out false, not false. They do uh, they sugarcoat some attempts at negotiation. They they have mob tactics, right? They strong arm right. different races into doing their bidding. And should they these people decide not to pay the vig, <laughs> they right. they break some thumbs and arms or worse. Uh, so that all tracks, and they're just kind of an omnipotent. It makes sense. It all it, see, they're bad guys. Uh, and yeah. the Jem'Hadar, it seems like the Jem'Hadar are their foot soldiers, to quote mm-hmm. a, tur- a Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtles phrase. Um, but we haven't really met the the like the leaders, the shredders. What do they call them? The the council or the founders? The founders, right? No, we have not met the founders yet. Uh, yeah. So, so we yeah. don't know like the dominion. Like, if is that if is that if the dominion's made up of a bunch of different races or different species, or if it's one specific thing and the Jem'Hadar are just the soldiers, we don't really know that yet. Right. right? Well, we know that whoever's at the top, it's very shadowy and mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They probably wear uh, cloaks, I would imagine. Oh well, obviously. Yeah. So uh, Jake and Nog stumble through the forest and discover the Jem'Hadar standing in front of the cave. And uh, that's all of Act 2. Yep. It was really just that one scene. And in Act 3, we And at least back... they make a smart decision. They're like, well, we can't. Yeah. We got to get the Well, and they, and they go back and do what Nog said initially. It was like, let's go to the runabout. Let's yeah. go to the spaceship we have with all of its technology to help us. Uh, so back in the cell, Cisco works to try to get the collar off while Quark gets the attention of the Gem Hadar. It works. One of the Jem'Hadar comes to shut him up. He says, I can't let you go because the founders want you. Cisco wants to meet with them. And Eris says, you know, the founders, they're just a myth. The Jem'Hadar says the founders created the Dominion. And he's disappointed to meet only a human and a Ferengi because he wants to meet a Klingon. Uh, because they are tough warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All all Mike can think about with Klingons is weird Klingon sex. That isn't Well, that's the thing. Like when Klingons meet and they shake hands, do they not shake hands? Because then that's like them kind of like licking face a little bit. Not like I the hand thing was just a thing that happened while they were getting it on. I that's not like a whole it's not a hand-based relationship. But, they, but it was like but it was the... <laughs> Well then I I don't know anything then. My whole outlook is messed up with the Klingons. Um, but, uh, so he wants to meet a Klingon, but he gives a message, the Jem'Hadar gives a message from the founders. They're not going to let people go through the wormhole anymore. And he seems to know a great deal about our quadrant. And he says they gain more knowledge every day. So they've been doing so. Away. So in these whole two seasons, we've been beaming in and out of the wormhole a bunch. They just been sitting back watching. They have yet to engage because they've been just observing, taking mm-hmm. notes, and now clearly they've <clears throat> they're springing some action. Decided to flip the switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but he knows all about Klingons. He knows all about humans. Like in and it's definitely uh, 
disconcerting how much. But we don't know if that's if they their knowledge that they've gained all this knowledge that they've gained is just subsequent to the wormhole being opened, or if they've been able to traverse without the anomaly previous to the wormhole. Yeah, we, yeah. Don't, we don't know that, right? We don't know. No, or I don't know that. I should say at this point. Right, right. But certainly they know a heck of a lot more about us than we know about them. Yeah. So Jake and Nog beam back onto the runabout. They scan and find Cisco and Quark, but they can't beam them off because of the containment field. Nog, again the smart one, tells the runabout to fly back to the station. But the computer says, uh, not until you put in your password. Hmm. Uh, which you'd think if you were in a situation like this, you might give the kids an emergency password or something. But nope. Uh, then the, I, I guess, I, well, I guess that'd be like giving your kids the car keys or like a phone. Why wasn't their first thing like call deep space nine? Computer. Well, I, yeah, well, because I think they, they don't have a way to communicate through the wormhole. Mm. Uh, because that's the, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we necessarily addressed it because there'd have to be some sort of a relay system, but you'd have to trigger the wormhole to open in order to get the message through. There's no way that there's no way the the, the commander of the whole space station takes two kids on a runabout to a distant planet through the wormhole, and they don't have a fail safe to communicate back. You'd think there would there would be one, yeah. But uh, anyway, so. Uh, they realize they Launch can't fly back. Lots of maneuvers. I, I thought this was a funny scene. With <laughs> right. A vessel starts flying up from the planet. Nog panics. But the other ship just warps off and leaves them alone. Now they have to figure out how to fly the runabout. We head back to the station and Kira and Dax see a new ship we haven't seen before emerge out of the wormhole. Then the Jem Hadar we were talking to beams directly into Ops. Yikes. O'Brien puts him in a containment field. Honey, did you lock the door? Uh-huh. Yeah, you should prob- probably lock the door. They did, apparently. I guess they did. They just he got a master key. He uh they they have they've got some shit we don't know about. They uh Yeah, when he walks through the tractor coming up, uh Oh, so cool. He says, we've, disdain- we've detained Cisco. You may not continue. You may not continue going into the Gamma Quadrant. He then walks straight through the damn containment field and hands them a list of ships they've destroyed for violating their territory. That is some BDE. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's and- like, peace. I'm out. Yeah. Well, but before he does, he also mentions they've wiped out New Bajor. Oh, right. Yeah. That whole that whole colony that they just set up, they're all dead. He says they fought hard, but they're dead. He beams out and the ship leaves, and they couldn't stop it with a tractor beam. So uh uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is some uh, that is a technology flex right there. So back on the planet. Uh hold on. I I I zipped too far. Back on the planet, Cisco keeps working on getting the collar off of Eris. He offers her a chance to come with them when they escape. And for some reason, they only ask Quark now to help with the locking collar. You know, the, the lock pick. So if you're, if you're playing D&D, right, mm-hmm. you don't have the fighter unlock the door. You have the thief unlock the door. That's their whole purpose. 
anyway, Quark says the main reasons humans don't like Ferengis is that they remind us of ourselves in the past. Another fair point. Uh, but then he continues to point out that humans were actually a lot worse than Ferengi. Slavery, genocide, and again, he's right. Mm-hmm. Ivor Stephen Bear has got the Ferengis back. Uh, and he's like, stop treating me like crap. Yeah. I'm about to rescue your butt. So on the runabout, Jake and Nog have pulled a ton of isolinear chips out and are making a mess of things trying to turn off the autopilot because it's password protected. Luckily, it finally worked. Remember when we were having the discussion about the isolinear rod versus the isolinear chips? Yes. These are the chips that I'm referring to. No organic material. No organic material. These are the like the flash drives. Uh, And we see these on next gen a lot more than we do on Deep Space Nine. But that's where we're getting. That would be like a good, I, I bet, because they made a whole ton of them. It'd be a good prop to get. Yeah, it'd be cool. But, but you could probably get your hands on something like that. Uh, they, uh, yeah, so it finally works. And they realize that because the autopilot is out, they have to fly it themselves. So solve one problem, created another one. So back on the station, guess what? A galaxy class ship is docked. Not the Enterprise, but one of the sister ships. But certainly iconic and eye-opening when you see a Galaxy-class ship docked at the station. Um, if for nothing else, how big those ships yeah, are. Yeah, that's big. Um, the complement of the Enterprise is like about 2,000 people, <clears throat> but that ship can hold like 10,000 people. It's crazy. Um, so... Uh, the captain says Starfleet is suspending all travel through the wormhole until they can investigate the Jem'Hadar threat. Our team wants to go on a rescue mission, but captain tells O'Brien to uh, the captain tells O'Brien to arm the runabout with photon tor- torpedoes. I can't speak today. Also, the captain's a bit of a dick. Uh, later. Odo is beefing up security when Kira comes up to tell him. Well, I mean, him, he's a bit of a dick, but like, let's be honest. Clearly, and and our our crew's a little cocksure here because they just basically were like, <laughs> "Your technology, right?" They like, right. Oh, here's your tractor beam. Like, we did. They, they're basically we come when we want, we leave when we want. You can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So at least there should have been a strategic meeting, being like, maybe we need to like. I know we got to get Ben, but we got to talk about this before we just like go attack them because clearly we could be un- underarmed. And you think? And and O'Brien's like, all right, put some photon torpedoes in there. So I think that the the other captain being like, yo, y'all, I know you're a ragtag troop here, but like maybe we should get some actual military people. Isn't out of maybe he no. his bedside manner is not great, but I mean, he's no, got a point. it was his tone was dickish. Yeah. But his point, yeah, because it's like, oh, we're gonna go to war. Well, what do you have? Like, I've got a. I've got a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, I got a Super Soaker 50 from uh, 1993. I've got a 96 Subaru yeah. and uh, and, a, <laughs> and, a, and a potato gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and that I think that's that's part of the reason why the ship's there. Because Deep Space Nine and their runabouts, they, this is not a thing prepared for war. It's yeah. not, there's no battling here. This is, they're wildly But it's, it's cool that also the Federation clearly is underestimating the Jem'Hadar because they only sent one ship. Right. Big as it is. Right. Well, I think that they, well, I mean, this whole episode is about us being caught wildly with our pants down. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. Uh, Maybe, maybe not just that, but 
also, I think a little, and I think Nog or uh, Quark sort of foreshadows it with some of his more political or uh, let's say um, sociological waxing. Not only are we caught with our pants down, but we're caught a little self-assure, if you will, thinking yeah. that we've got, you know, we're at the top of the food chain at, in the Federation that we, you know, mm. and I think maybe we learn a little something. Maybe we get put in our place a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the, you know, the Federation has been, right, it's been top of the food chain. Like we, you know, the the adversaries, you know, the Klingons and the Romulans or whatever, they're, they're very serious adversaries, but we're sort of equally matched roughly and have like mutually assured destruction. You know, the only real threat the Federation has faced at like an existential level to this point has been the Borg. Mm. But they only sent one ship at this point. Right. So, um, you know, that we don't necessarily... So they were like, yeah, we got this. We're good. Um, so later, Odo is beefing up security when Kira comes up to tell him, you know, you don't have to come on this rescue mission. But then Odo says the most romantic line on the show to this point i figure while you and the others are trying to rescue cisco and the boys somebody ought to be there to look out for quark single tear it was beautiful and i heard there was some broken wood i had to address (laughs) exactly don't bump your head uh yeah so she tells him to head down and they go to their respective runabouts the odyssey which is the galaxy class ship exits the wormhole with the two runabouts and are surprised to discover uh, there's nobody here to greet us. Meanwhile, Jake and Nog are floundering while Jake learns how to fly. It's going to take them five years at this pace. Then three ships come out of war. It's the Odyssey and the runabouts. Jake and Nog are rescued. Hooray. And that is sort of oddly... The end of Act 4, we usually end in a moment of suspense, but we end in a moment of resolution, perhaps because there's a lot more suspense to come in Act 5. Back in the cell, Quark is still working to remove the collar, and he finally does it. Eris shoots the field with her telekinetic thing, and Sisko charges the guard and tosses his weapon to Quark. Then another guard appears, they battle, and Quark... You know, stepping up, getting stuff done, shoots the other guard, allowing them to exit the cave. So good old Quark here is the hero like six different ways. So uh, meanwhile, the Odyssey and the runabouts detect three ships coming out of warp. The battle begins and the Odyssey immediately starts getting its ass kicked. Their shields are useless. Again, the huge technological advantage we're seeing here. Cisco, Quark, and Eris run through the forest to get back to the runabout. But wasn't the runabout always in orbit? Hmm. Yeah. So where were they running to? Fair. I don't know. It was a bit of like a, what? Fair. Uh, Doesn't matter, because they're beamed up by O'Brien, Jake, and Nog. They're rescued. Huzzah! So we head back to the battle, and it is not going well. The first runabout is disabled, and the Odyssey is on fire. So what did you think of the... of the? This is our first sort of, like, big battle sequence. I, I thought it was okay. It was pretty cool. You know, there's a lot of shaking and moving. I thought it was cool how we were getting our ass kicked. I didn't know how hard we were about to get our ass kicked, but it was cool. Yeah. 
I, I always like when I was a kid, I still to this day, whenever they use practical fire on the bridge, it gets me very excited. Yeah, it's very cool. It's, I, I always think it's cool. Anyway, uh they're you know getting their ass kicked, so they've decided let's just make a run for it and get back through the wormhole. But just as they do, one of the Jem Hadar ships does a suicide run into the Odyssey. This is after they beam them up. Did I miss After they beam them up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they beam them up, they get out, hooray, they're saved. And then, yeah, all right, so here is the here's the big battle sequence. So there's some it, really cool visuals too. Yeah. The I love really, this POV shot every time they do it. It's only done it a few times, but I always love it. It's very oh. it's very um Disney World uh ride. It it's Disney World ride, but also like it feels much more like immersive. It makes it feel this is this is kind of the this gives you a vibe of some of the more advanced um virtual reality games keith like Mm. lone echo and some of the the bridge crew games like that give you this feeling and this visual like you actually can come up to the glass and see through and that depth effect works it's nick when you come over when you come visit i'm gonna let you play some of this stuff you're gonna gonna yeah great i'm gonna puke on your couch maybe uh yeah oh yeah so we're, we're giving up the the main thing here yeah, so here's here's the here's the big the big moment. The Jim Hadar ship does a suicide run into the Odyssey and it explodes. They have just now destroyed the biggest, toughest ship in the Federation. With I'm imagining a lot of people aboard. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds of they they did mention that they took the civilians off and left them at Deep Space Nine, but that's still a whole mess of people just died in that explosion. Yeah. Uh so uh oh. The runabouts head back home. And before they get onto the station, Quark pulls Cisco aside and says, We need to talk. So Eris arrives on off with the team when Cisco shows up with a phaser. Quark has realized that the caller was a fake. It's just a complicated lock, and that she could have used her abilities whenever she wanted. She is a spy. Two, Cisco thinks she's a founder, but she laughs at that. And she says, you have no idea what you've done here. Then she beams out to who knows where, uh, again, showing off big technology energy. Cisco says, if the Dominion comes through the wormhole, the first battle will be fought right here. And I intend to be ready for them. And that, kids, is your season. Wow. Wow. Wow is right. All right, so let's do a vocab quiz, and then let's discuss. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz. All right, so one of these is super easy, and one of them is one I've asked before, but now it's an evolving answer. Mike, what is the Jem'Hadar? Jemadar are the foot soldiers of the Dominion, Keith. They are clearly the muscle uh, behind the founders or behind the sort of the, the powers that be of the Dominion. Yeah. And which brings us obviously to, Mike, what's the Dominion? The Dominion is an authoritative governing body or a power, a force that sort of is Federation uh, sim- symbiote a bit. Uh or, you know, juxtaposition, but bad. Yeah, yeah. Big and tough and mysterious at this point. 
All right, let's move along home for season two. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's start with. Uh, are there any wormholes in this plot, Mike? So the wormhole I see is my biggest nit with the episode, actually. Okay. And it's Eris. It's her. It's everything Eris. Okay. Because. So see me see through here. So right. if the plan was, if if as Be, as they as Ben and Quark figure out. And she basically concedes at the end. If the plan was, have them think she was this damsel in distress. Right. They somehow eventually escape, right? Mm -hmm. They escape aboard the Deep Space Nine. Right. And then she will just like live amongst them and be a spy and, and, and stuff, right? Possibly. Yeah, okay. But clearly they just showed a couple scenes before. They can just beam aboard, beam out. They they are not constrained by any of the security or of the tractoring done on Deep Space Nine. Why go through the whole charade? Why not just beam a spy aboard? Deep Space Nine is full of people coming and going at all times. Just why go through? Why have? Oh, why do the well, whole be, me mechanism? Well, because like all right. So if I if I'm trying to spy on the president, right? Mm -hmm. Right, I can beam into the White House. I can beam into the Capitol, or I can make myself friends with the president and have long conversations directly with the president, like actually building that relationship. I mean, spy work isn't getting yourself into the building and looking around. It's about relationships. It's about building connections. It's about yeah. But they could have done that in any variety of ways, I guess, other than having because they had to then set up a trap. They had to know Ben was coming. They had to then set up a trap to capture him. They had to then let them know they have him. Then they have to let him escape. It seems very elaborate for which they could have very much very simplified by putting like an ambassador aboard or just freaking coming and threatening them. What are they? What are they to gain? If the whole point is we the, the whole scene where he the Jem'Hadar beam aboard and they're like the Dominion don't want you coming through the wormhole, test us and find out. Well, but I, I think the purpose of it, and I, I do think, I, I think the wormhole that I that I see that I agree with is how did they know he was going to go to that planet? And yeah. and, and what are they, but to be but fair. it was the, on a whim. I mean, him and Jake. It, it was on a whim, but they didn't need to set up much, right? Yeah. There, there's there's no, all they did is a containment field. Mm. So they they follow the runabout. They realize, you know, they know, they know who's on it. They know what they're, there's like whatever planet they go to. This is when we're going to make our move. And here's our move. We, we put the containment field in the thingy. We have her come in. We grab them like this. There wasn't a huge like set they had to build in that yeah, moment okay. there. So, um, but I think the purpose of doing it this way, as opposed to the way you're describing, is to really find out what the Federation knows already. Mm, yeah. right? what, is the, what, what is the most valuable information? I mean... Part two is making the threat is making yourself known. But part one is like, what do you, do you guys already know about it? What do you know? And yeah, I think what we learned too in, in along that, that train of thought is, and I, that's why I love the scene about the, the Jem'Hadar wanting the Klingon is that whilst we are clearly underestimating them, they have overestimated us. They, 
they clearly are disappointed with how much we know, what we think. Like they are like, oh, these aren't going to be. I think they were kind of maybe excited for a little bit of a uh, a competition, but they're like, oh, these peons well, got nothing. I, yeah, I think the implication for the Gem Hadar at least is that he wanted to fight a Klingon. I wanted mm-hmm. to like fight a worthy adversary, and you guys are a bunch of wimps. Yeah, um, I think that's a stand-in for how they kind of are viewing us. Like, I don't think they see us as a threat right now. No, but they. They see us uh, enough of a threat to go through all of this trouble. Yeah. Well, because but I think they I, anticipated us to be more of a threat than we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Um, but so, the, but I, but I think from from Eris's point of view, it is two pronged. One is to find out what we know. Also, upon discovering that we don't know anything, mm-hmm. they get to write the first version of our understanding of what the of of what the Dominion I is. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So. You know, how do we know what's true and what's not true at this point now that we know that it's an unreliable narrator? Mm-hmm. Maybe it benefits her to tell the truth. Maybe it doesn't. We don't really know yet. Um, but so so she actually got a tremendous amount of intelligence by pretending to be captors there because you let your guard down. Hey, we're both screwed. We're going to work together to get out. That's that that would be sort of my feeling on that. All right. Um, so. Yeah, uh, do I have any other wormholes? Um, no, no, not really. I mean, that all it all it all sort of tracks there. Um, you know, it's it's all just sort of very. Um, it's about setting up just how powerful these these folks are, and just how wildly unprepared we are. So, uh, Mike, what was your best moment? Um. I think the best moment of the episode is actually, I mean, it's super cool when they blow up an Enterprise class ship. I think that's, is that what it's called? It's a galaxy Galaxy class class ship. Um, The Enterprise is one of those. Yes, that's right. I think that's super cool. That's super badass. But for me, the better flex is when the Jem'Hadar just like waltzes into ops and is like, here's my threat. You think you oh that's cute you've got your little beam oh and you're gonna try to catch me on the way out peace you don't even know where I'm you can't even trace where I went I think that's the bigger flex and I think that yeah. really you could boil the whole episode to that one scene really that's the scene right yeah that and then I guess when she beams out at the end they're both kind of the same thing similar flexes yeah <clears throat> yeah I think so that that's gonna be my pick yeah and I I I agree with you I think it's it's literally the instant he walks through the containment mm-hmm. field. He's like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, uh oh, like that's you know, because that's one of our highest security. Like we have nothing mm-hmm. to stop you from doing anything. Um, but I also think for me, it was it was the Eris reveal, right? Because yep. because it's it's show it's a it's a flex on two things, right? Because we've had the technological flex, we had the just sheer. Uh, the the battle flex, the determination flex, because like in order to do that, in order to blow up the galaxy ship, an entire ship of Jem Hadar commits suicide. Yeah. So like that is a commitment flex as well as a technological flex. But I think the Eris reveal is an intelligence flex, and and that so not only we got we we overpowered your technology. We were way more brutal than you thought we were going to be. And we outsmarted you with our intelligence. Mm-hmm. And and I don't necessarily think that the plan was to leave her on the station spying for a long time. I don't I don't think she cared that she got caught. I think she got everything she needed to know in that cave. I think I'm sorry to go this route, folks. 
Let's my, do it. My apologies. I don't, I don't think know. It's I don't even know what's going to be. But I think there isn't an some sort of a uh, it's somewhat analogous to 9-11 right where we were caught with our pants down security wise because mm-hmm. we you know these people just like got through our airplane security or like we were just our lax not that they're saying it's lax on the side I'm just uh, it's a loose connection but so we've got that at the same time they put this whole mastermind plan and communicated it under our radar so that's like a tech flex and yep. at the same time, we're dealing with an enemy who's got the religious zealotness where they're willing to just commit suicide and kill themselves. And so there's the that, determination uh, flex. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 that on that day when all of a sudden everything changed and we yeah. were fighting a war with a new enemy that was different than anything we'd seen before. Here we are. Yeah, and I I, I don't think I don't think that's an unfair comparison. And I, I think mean, clearly that they're the, much more technologically advanced than like these people just. But we've we still underestimated. Ah, oh, they live in caves and they've got like a you know. Right, right. We totally underestimate. Yeah, and I think underestimating the the threat for sure. And and there's going to be a lot of because uh, you're right. The entire perspective, you know, changes mm-hmm. now, right? Because we've heard uh, about the Dominion before, and we've just chosen about- not to follow up really. Well, and and we couldn't, you know, it's just yeah, like it yeah, was fair. it was it, yeah. it wasn't really high on the on the list of stuff. Um, but a couple of you know a couple of things change, right? One, you know, obviously there's we're under way more threat than we thought we were. But Deep Space Nine, right? The first two lines of that are Deep Space. So we start. We're on the fringes in the middle of nowhere on the frontier. We're not in the middle of the Klingon. We're not on the Romulan border mm-hmm. or the Klingon border. Like we're we're not really. You know, yes, we have the Cardassian thing, but that's not really related to us. We're sort of arbitrators and another thing. Um, and so it's not really, we're, we're way the hell out there. We're right. isolated. We're remote. Now, all of a sudden, we're on the front lines of like whatever happens, whatever happens moving forward, this is right here on the absolute front line. And so the center of the attention of the entire Federation just moved. Right. Right, because if we're taking this threat seriously, which I think at this point we are, all of a sudden Deep Space Nine is like the n- most important place in the in yep. the universe, and and it's it started to become that when they discovered the wormhole, but that was like a an exploration and scientific hole. Now it's like, oh, we might get annihilated, yeah. <laughs> and um, so that I mean it it, it changes everything so uh all right we're well into stem bolts yeah so uh yeah so this is an interesting one to judge for me because the implications of the episode and the setup of it is awesome off the charts right 10 out of 10 i mean but you have no idea yeah how it pays off or if it pays off. i mean clearly introduce it's like introducing the best of bad guys or not even but but with enough ambiguity that it's like exciting like can't wait to see it's like you hear the footsteps and you've seen some of the fallout but you don't know what's coming so that's pretty rad and we've seen enough of the just the jem hadar just their 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 foot soldiers are badass right so oh my goodness what what else is in store but i have some problems with the episode as a standalone episode in that a literally almost half the runtime the first 18 to 19 minutes is it's fun but it's nothing I mean, it's just, it's all set up. That could have been done much quicker. In addition, they bring along Jake and Nog, and you keep waiting for them to be like, to have some sort of agency in the episode. And truthfully, they don't really. 
they don't really. They get back. They don't really. They aren't part of the rescue. Really, they aren't part of the the battle. Right. They aren't. It becomes a B story of their survival. But but not really. It's played for. It's like the tone doesn't really know what it's going to be. There's a bunch of like comedic beats, and then once the episode switches real serious, we're still getting kind of like with them fumbling with the chips. Not that it's bad in any way. It's just. It, it, there aren't really any teeth there, and I I love their chemistry together always. So it's it's not a complaint as much as just like in this episode, it's not it's not additive a lot when there's so much other good stuff. But truthfully, it's three big scenes, right? It's it's the scene where they meet the Gemidar in the beginning. It's the scene right. where they beam aboard the ship, and then it's the big battle sequence slash reveal. Those are the big three big things of the episode, and those. I think there was, it just, it, it lacked a little uh, interesting episode. Like the reveal's cool. The, what we learn is really cool, but it's not pack. The packaging leaves a little. Yeah. I mean, I, there's not a tremendous amount of plot, strangely. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I will defend it this way though. Right. Because we are, um, we're 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 paradigm shifting. We're breaking the entire universe by by doing this. I, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler spoiler to say that like yeah we're going to follow up on this mm-hmm. <laughs> right. This isn't right. like something we're yeah, going to forget about. Um, so I I I think realizing that we have now broken our universe, I think establishing what we're losing before. I think if we started with that. We would have to be remembering previous episodes to know the world that just got broken, the sort of the, the innocence that is shattered by this. And so there's there's somewhat of the um, starting in that innocent place that like, you know, season one kind of a place where like it's a family dynamic and we're talking about this and there's bugs and whatever to to have that be shattered to have that be interjected on it, it from, you know, from a writing standpoint, like I'm hundred percent right. Like the pacing of it felt a little bit slow, but I also looking back on it now, I feel like it was a little bit more surprising when stuff got blown up 18 minutes into the episode, as opposed to eight minutes in the episode. Well, that brings me to my other knit is I felt like it, it could, the impact could have been broadened by having the characters react in any sort of way about the loss of that ship. It, we, I didn't feel the impact. It was, it happened towards the end. Yes. And so we had to kind of wrap things up. Ben has kind of like a castaway line where he's like, they're just showing us what lengths they'll go to. Uh, they kind of like, we don't really see the crew react in any sort of way to like, we just lost a captain and a galaxy class ship in a battle. Right. Like maybe we could have found a way to have them react or maybe have met mm-hmm. a character that was going to die that we liked or that had some sort. I just felt like. It, yes. It, yes. It didn't have the teeth. I, I kept like the way you and some other people had commented. I was really waiting for like a like we were going to lose a cast, but like it's something huge. And not that this wasn't. The stakes are clearly there. It just felt like the teeth weren't there for me. Mm. So, like I said, the knowledge and the impact of the setup. Awesome. 10 out of yeah. 10. The episode, meh, I'd give it a six. So where do I come in between that? Uh, 80. 80, wow. Yeah. Cause it, <sighs> what, what's that, right? 16, 10 and six, 16 divided by two is eight? Yeah, yeah. 80. No, no, you're right. 
that you know that's that's very interesting um i i i completely agree i mean with that's you. 80 is great that's a b it, no no it's good it's good i i think it would have been i, I think you're absolutely right about a rewrite of this giving us a character that we cared about that we lost. And I don't mean like a main cast member. I, I don't even think it necessarily had to be anybody that was introduced before. So hold on. You know that scene where like they cut back to Ben and he's like, we're going to be ready for them. Great scene. But have that somewhere where they're doing a memorial, right? Like have taps, like a taps type mm. theme playing. And he's giving this great yep. grand speech where he's like, this is what we've lost, blah, 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 blah. It's our independence day, yada, yada, yada. We'll be ready for them the next time. Yeah. Season end. You're like, fuck. 100%. Uh, yes and and yes and so remember that scene we meet the captain of this ship and he's kind of a dick right mm -hmm. you know he's he's making good points but he's kind of condescending to everybody and i i understand the purpose of that was to set up how unprepared our heroes were right and how and how un like they didn't have any weapons and have any ships whatever but i but i think that what we gained in that we would have lost at an opportunity what if that captain were somebody we really liked, right? Even if he was going to die, even if it, it, it's like a two minute scene, right? But if there was something really charming about that captain, somebody like, like you said, somebody on that ship who died. Like I thought for a while, about. I had to look it up. Sorry, I looked it up. I Googled that captain thinking, oh, he must have like deep roots in the Star Trek universe. That's right. why people are like, oh my God, they killed such and such. But no, right. <laughs> No, it it totally it totally would have been great, and and like there there were some we could have killed off a character that we'd met once or twice that we really liked, um, but I mean like bringing Premin back or something, um, but uh, but yeah, I I I feel like yes, those two notes would have made this better, no question, um, and and I will say moving forward, they're going to miss fewer of those opportunities right they're gonna they're gonna fill those holes that, that yeah i mean clearly here. season two of a show it's not you know maybe you don't have the cachet yet to be like you know we're killing off a giant lore person in the lore you know maybe they they earn that a little bit more coming going forward but that you know i was just saying like i you it, didn't feel the stakes of so well and and i i'll tell you exactly what's wrong with it we all instinctually felt the oh my god of them blowing up a galaxy class shit. But then they don't show a reaction shot of any of our people. They they do not it, but really it's though. It's quick. You hear a little bit because I thought it was gonna be a big scene because you hear a little like of a a trumpet theme that feels very tapsy, right. and you see Ben and but and you think he's gonna deliver a line like what we've lost today is but 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 no he's just right. like they're just showing their he makes it about them they're showing us and right. clearly he's in battle mode like I don't I don't I'm not judging him on it but. I felt like that was the opportunity and they didn't and, do it. And I, and I, yes, yes. And, and I, I think that they, they overestimated the importance of the galaxy class ship as a character, right? Because the enterprise D is a major character of the show, right? It is a very, like it, the, the ship itself is a major character. And I think they overestimated the, that, but we know it's not the Enterprise D, and we don't have we didn't have a human or alien like a, a live action character for us to connect to in that moment that would have been better uh, in either of those situations. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's like being like, that's not that's like a Pearl Harbor event. That's like they took right. one of our huge battleships, right? Right. And blew it up. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and I yes, I I agree I agree with you on that. So I you know, I I I liked it better than you do, although I don't know how much of that is colored by what's coming. Mm. Um but uh yeah, I mean this I th- I think the introduction of a threat like this was successful. I think the the oh shit of it all I think is successful. Um and uh certainly the the capabilities with the cloaking thingies and the badass like that's like ooh that's cool. Um, yeah, and I think I also think, you know, I'll say it's 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 cool and it's a flex on the writers and the show's point by you know, think about another baddie, the Borg, right? There's this there this right. really cool, ominous visual design. Uh, you know, like it's it's they use aesthetically, it's very uh, scary, tough, and scary. Right, yeah. sure. Here, not that the Gemindar aren't, but it's more the the anticipation of what's coming that is the fear factor. Um, and they're like, we don't even have to show it to you yet, and we can still elicit that 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 response. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they they get the uh oh mm-hmm. done well, um, and and will continue to do so. So, um, you know, there. I guess I'm not going to speak to any of the spoilery parts. <laughs> well, then speak to a number. I'm going to speak to a number, and my number, I think, I I think for the importance of it all, for me, it gets a ninety-one. Wow. I, I really do think that it's uh it was it was exciting. It kicks off a whole new thing. Um and I think it's uh was very still fun. Our, our average probably is lower than what you would come to expect then. Well, I mean yes, yes, it is lower than than our, the average is lower than many episodes. It's my highest episode of the season, personally. Uh but you wanna you know, just just crazy before we all move on with our days. Uh, so I have a running average uh-huh. of uh, what you and I have rated this season. And you and I have differed on every single episode except for one. But get this. My season average is 76.84. Oh, we've left ourselves some room. Okay. Uh-huh. Mike, what do you think your season average is? It's got to be damn close. 76.83. After wow. all of this, we are within one hundredth of a point. So what was so let's since we're not we don't do like a summary, let's talk about yeah. our, our highest and lowest. Uh so your highest was Blood Oath with a 95. Remind me what that was. <laughs> that 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 was Dax and her Klingon buddies yes. yep. taking revenge. Right. Love it. Right. And uh other 90. Plus, were rules of acquisition, necessary evil, uh, collaborator, and uh, yeah, those were. Oh, and Armageddon game were all over 90 for you. For me, my over 90s were necessary evil, blood oath, and the gem hadar. Those are my only ones. Your low was paradise. Uh, at 48 Oof. rivals you put at 49 what, what, my low was sanctuary 
at 35. I also gave Second Sight a 39. <laughs> so not good. You gave Second Sight a 73. I gave it a 39. I was pumped about that one. That's crazy. I don't even remember which one that was. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So there we are. Season and both of them an improvement on season one. My season average for season one was a 70.4. Yours was a 73.9. So they both went up to 76. Oh, Second Sight was the one where Ben was dating that like figment. Oh, lady. the Fena one. I yeah, loved yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith, I do want to say this before we head out. We are uh, paying our tab to uh, Quarks here as we head out of, uh, so if you want to pay your tab, you can do so at <laughs> patreon.com slash KNM. We like to thank all of our are uh, let's be honest they're the producers of the show and we don't say that flippantly with no snark uh every one of those pennies helps keith and i uh live the life we're trying to live which is uh do this show and all the stuff with you know like our other obligations so we appreciate you guys helping offset the time you can do the same patreon.com slash knm or you can give us a like give us a subscribe check out some of our other shows on youtube where we talk about keith's star trek toys and other toys cool customs that people create we also talk about random stuff every Monday on KNM Geekly, uh, but hopefully you could tell a friend, or if you're in a chat room or you watch other Star Trek channels, maybe like leave a comment, let people know that we're here. We're not mm. trying to compete. We're just trying to get the numbers up. We'd like more people to kind of watch uh, our summaries and and uh, just kind of join the team. We appreciate you all. We thank you for your support. We hope it continues. Yes, for sure to all of that. Yeah, we thank everybody for all their support. And you're and and the conversation we're having here in the comments is something that I look forward to every single week. Um it's really the everybody, you know, the people who watch the show are so smart and so uh and and clever and they've got so much good information and good insights. Really appreciate it. So, uh we will see you back next week with a with a with a little facelift and a new opportunity to talk about star trek with season three we will beginning with the season premiere the search part one here are we getting on. a two b a two part getting the two b get ready Woo! yeah it's gonna be so much fun uh till then this has been keith and mike watch deep space nine thank you for watching knm entertainment if you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KNF.